Hello and welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast brought to you by CityCo, the city centre management company for Manchester. Last week we were talking about retail and after a very successful reopening of the retail and hospitality sector on April 12th, this week we're moving on to offices. We've all heard the reports about working from home and how nothing will change, but is that really the case? How are office developers and landlords changing what they offer to potential tenants? And what are we hearing from businesses? Are some businesses going to stay away for a long time? Are particular sectors going to come back? Joining me today are three people who know more about this subject than almost anybody else in the universe. Sam Booth, who's the Chief Exec of Pro Manchester, a membership organisation representing professional services. John Ogden, Managing Director of CBRE. And Andrew Cook, Strategic Director of Bruntwood. So thank you all for joining me. Um, Sam, to start with you, um, what are you hearing from your members now? Uh, are they wanting to come back from the office? It feels a bit like the mood's changed the last couple of months, but are you hearing that come through as well? Yeah, no, definitely. The mood has definitely changed. I think from, from the moment the roadmap was released, really, I think businesses started to really focus on when are we going to return back to the office the problem that we've got at the moment is there is quite a bit of confusion around us at the moment. The, the message still is very much, if you can work from home, you stay at home. So therefore, the offices, um, you know, the office environment is, you know, they're not encouraging people to, to, to go back in just yet. But at the same time, there is very much the appetite to, to go back. So really, it's a bit of a mixed bag with regards to how businesses are approaching this. Um, and I'm starting to see that I mean, some businesses obviously have been operating at a very, very low level um, throughout all of this when they've, when they've needed to for, for certain people who perhaps needed an office environment. They haven't got the setup at home to be able to, to work. Um, uh, but now I'm starting to see sort of certainly talk of May, June, that's going to start really introducing people back into, into the office environment, focusing specifically on the people that perhaps really need you know, there's more of a need for them to come back into the office, um, first and foremost. I was speaking to the university yesterday, um, and they were talking about they've actually got a booking system at the moment to allow people to come back in and, and, and use some of that space as well. Um, there's no there's no rush on this, and there's a bit of a wait, really, because it's kind of treading that very fine line between, you know, having everybody coming back into the environment, which everybody does want to do, and there's the appetite to do that, but, but what are we allowed to do? And hitting these milestone dates um, and to make sure that we don't go backwards basically so there is it's, it's a very cautious approach from from the sort of office sector uh, with regards to sort of returning back into the office and I think big dates like yesterday I guess we will see what sort of impacts that has and hopefully you know we'll keep hitting those milestones and then that will encourage us uh, to pick up the pace faster with regards to kind of returning back into the office environment. Are you seeing differences between different sectors different types of businesses? Yeah, certainly. I think certainly the, the, the smaller businesses, as, as it would make sense, um, the ones that perhaps can be a little bit more agile, um, they're certainly kind of moving maybe at a faster pace than maybe some of the the, the bigger corporate organisations that maybe don't or not all of the decision making process is happening locally as well. So that, I think that does have a bit of an impact with regards to how, how each of those businesses are returning. Yeah, we're seeing with some of the big organisations like Deloitte and so on, it seems to be very much either the chair or the chief exec is making a decision for everybody in the in the entire organisation and that's filtering down. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, I think I think there is a we, we all know. I mean, everyone's talking about mental health and well-being more than they ever have done. And, and knowing that actually, you know, getting people back into an office environment is really, really important. But at the same time, it's making sure that it's done safely, securely, uh, in accordance with whatever the guidelines are, um, and making sure that people are safely safely protected. Um, also, obviously, having considerations as well to the to the wider to the wider idea of you know, kind of getting into work. So the, the transport piece is, is obviously a huge one as well, and, and making sure that all of these things align align well and safely for everybody. Yeah, I think the transport thing is going to continue. As I understand it, April twelfth yesterday for the retail um, opening and hospitality opening was the first time all the surface car parks in the city have been full. Uh, right. Probably. Well, given, given how many there were created after the 2008 crash, that's probably for the first time in history almost. So it's, it's going to continue to be an issue where people are going to want to drive and they're not using public transport at all until we get that confidence back, which is going to be a major thing. Yeah. Um, John, what are you hearing from your clients? Hi. Um, I, it's really interesting. It kind of mirrors a lot, lot of what Sam was saying. Um, I think the majority of occupiers that we're talking to um, are certainly talking about a more flexible future, uh, both in terms of kind of workplace design and also working patterns. Um, but uh, the tech sector, tech sector in particular, uh, who initially obviously were, were delighted at the initial kind of remote working, which was seamless, and you know they were they were delighted that their ability and technical capability, you know, could could actually swing into action very easily um we we now completely uh, see a, a sort of reverse in feeling if you like that um workers are, are feeling isolated there are drawbacks to remote working um especially when new projects start um and workers do need to be collaborative um and and it does create that sense of culture the innovation uh, and indeed productivity so you know we are seeing you know a a big push actually even from the larger kind of players in in terms of a return to work uh, particularly in tech netflix are really keen to you know get back to work and, and have said that they will probably do at least a four-day week rather than it's slightly uh, ironic so they so want people off the sofas, not watching Netflix, yeah. but back in the office. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. And, and you know, Amazon, Amazon's similar. Um, uh, and, and indeed, Facebook. So Facebook have, have said that around about 50% of their workforce will be able to have that, you know, that choice, that flexibility of some remote working, some, some office working. Um, but then other employees will be, back in the office because that is just the nature of, of the fact that they work in teams they work with you know creative teams uh, and working you know at a at a desk or siloed at home you know is not it, you know it doesn't help them at all in terms of producing new you know new content etc so i'd say the tech sector have probably been the most outspoken in terms of getting back to work it's really interesting despite, despite the irony that they they actually provide us with all the tools and know-how to to stay at home and uh, and be able to do things you know from the comfort of our own living rooms i guess um it's definitely fair to say that our transaction management teams um are busier than ever at the moment. They're running multiple scenarios around office portfolios and strategies uh, for a lot of these businesses. So we do see and predict transactions certainly starting to pick up later this year, uh, and get, and and obviously running into next year as we you know continually hopefully return to more normal life. 
uh, and you know post lockdowns. So I think that's a really positive sign uh, that decisions are now beginning to start being made, um, which is great. Um, I'd say that um, there's also an increased take up for serviced officers and flex officers, um, which is almost back to, in fact, it is, I should say, back to post-pandemic levels uh, or post-lockdown levels, um, which which is great. And, and also satellite, office, satellite officers and regional towns and cities, uh, Manchester included in that, are, are certainly going to see some benefit around uh, the hub-and-spoke model that people have talked about for, you know, uh, well... 12, 18 months, I'd say, um, and co-working spaces are definitely being, you know, purposefully designed. So we're not now looking at rows and rows of desks, but we're looking at, you know, more collaborative space. Um, and I would say that whilst there is certainly a move, I'd say, from some of the larger corporate f- professional services companies, so, you know, your big banks, et cetera, that, um, you know, have being more reticent about coming back into the office. And I think, you know, will certainly provide their employees with more flexibility going forward. There's no question of that. Um, that would, you would argue, lead to, you know, well, l- less floor space being taken. Um, however, those businesses still want to retain office hubs and collaborative spaces and, and spaces where teams can get together. So they will occupy less densely. So actually, you kind of, uh, your, 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 net, your net loss or net gain isn't going to change quite perhaps as dramatically as, you know, one might fear or one might expect. Uh, I think it potentially will, will drop in certain, you know, in certain sectors, banking, finance, et cetera, being one where companies, you know, can look at offering their employees more flexibility and therefore look at cutting costs and cutting, you know, cutting overhead in terms of the floor plate sizes that they they will want to occupy in the future. But it's certainly not the death of the office or anything like that. It's kind of more the renaissance, I'd say, of the office in a and a different kind of way of you know doing things. One of the, one of the good stories I think we've heard quite a lot of, and it'd be interesting to hear your take on how true this is, is is this sort of um, flight to quality type thing, which seems to have become a very in in phrase at the moment, and certainly hearing from another number of landlords in the old central business district around King Street and and um, Spring Gardens and so on that actually they're getting quite a lot of interest for sort of thousand, two thousand, three thousand from companies that previously would have been looking at eight thousand, nine thousand, but for the very high end sort of execs to have a signature office in a, in a historic building. Do you, did you have you picked up on that sort of change? Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I, I know flight to quality is a phrase that's been used a lot recently. It's come from nowhere to be this. this yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so true. Um, and yes, we are seeing that. We're absolutely seeing that. Um, we're seeing that uh, to your point, Vaughan, around um, you know smaller, almost exec suites, if you will, um, and places where. Um, businesses can ent- entertain or meet meet with other clients rather than it just be a place of, of work for their employees, which perhaps they are now, you know, uh, looking at working to some extent remotely. However, um, you're kind of bigger grade A offices as well. Um, so, for example, um, Landmark or 
to St Peter's Square, the building that I'm sitting in now, and uh, <clears throat> and so on. They are very, they are very, very attractive to the corporate occupier because they, generally speaking, have bigger circulation spaces, more lifts, um, more amenity, better air quality systems. Um, touch-free en- entry systems or the ability to install apps and smart building technology and design and all that and all those things you know add up to you know improving that sort of feeling of of safety which sam was referring to of, of, of going back to work you know safely securely etc uh, and also you know the the working environment is enhanced and improved which We've got to we've we've got to bear in mind in order to entice people back to the city centres and back into you know feeling comfortable being being back in the office because uh, you know a lot of people have been you know getting quite used to you know working at, working at home or, or remotely for some time you know these you know these things really matter um, and we're seeing much more of that and I guess that again is is you know back to the flight to quality piece. Yeah, I walked past the Lincoln today for the first time in, in Lincoln Square, and that's a huge building going up. The yeah. Helical, I believe, building that's that's being put up there. Um, I think that leads neatly on to you, Andrew. I mean, what are you seeing first in, in terms of returns amongst your tenants? But then as you're looking at, I mean, Block has undergone quite a lot of uh, changes. You know, what are you intending to do to sort of meet this new need and keep keep enticing people back in terms of that office offer? Um, I mean, yeah, very much aligned to what Sam and John have been saying. There's, there's, there's our customers are are starting to return to the office. I think obviously we've got to be quite careful. There is government guidance that you know you've got to uh, work from home where possible. But our customers certainly post Easter have started to return to their offices in in greater numbers than they were doing in the first part of the year um you know rough figures we're probably at around 30 percent of pre-covid levels at the moment and that's stepping up daily you know we've got footfall counters that are are tracking that and that is stepping up daily so i think mindsets are are definitely changing you know for us with that we've got to ensure first and foremost that people are coming back safely. So for the last 12 months, we've been getting our buildings ready, you know, one-way systems, hand sanitizing, increased cleaning um, around our buildings. Um, you know, we've been working with with key um, consultants, uh, British Safety Council um, um, certificates we've had to get. So for us, more than anything, you know, coming out of this, there's going to be a huge amount of health anxiety for our customers. So first and foremost, to get them back into the office, they've got to be safe environments. The second part of it is 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 kind of, yeah, where you get crystal ball out and you start thinking about, well, what is the future of the office? And, you know, it's all the themes that, that, that John and, and Sam have already touched on. Um, you know, I'm not going to stand on my soapbox here and go, yeah, everyone's coming back to the office. You know, don't panic. Um, things have changed. There are structural changes happening. Uh, COVID has, has probably just accelerated a lot of those. I guess where we are for, for Bruntwood Works is we, we aren't competing with just working from home. We're competing with working from anywhere. People can now work or they will be able to, you know, post restrictions, easing in coffee shops, in restaurants, in hotel lounges, wherever there is going to be 
um, more of a need for almost think about it as on-demand workspace. We need to create a compelling issue, uh, a compelling reason for our customers to come back into our workspace. So what is better in these offices, these workspaces that we're creating that other places can't create? And for me, there's probably uh, one big thing around that, and that's that's um, convenience. So customers want the convenience uh, both of um, uh, personally, so through wellness. So they want to come into the office. They want wellness facilities. They want to keep mentally and physically fit. They want amenity wrapped around them. So that could be dry cleaning services. It could be pop-up GPs, which is something that we've been looking at. Um, it could be pop-up hairdressers. It could be nail bars. It could be all those things that that add, I guess, some convenience to the the um, the lifestyle of our customers. And then, of course, on top of that, and you know, put your business head on. Business owners want people to come into the office and be more productive. Or, or, or certainly carry on some of the productivity um, um, increases that people have seen from working at home. Because there's no denying the fact that certain cognitive needs can be delivered at home. But other things like collaboration, connection, social connection, they can't be recreated from working from home or working in all the sort of disparate environments. So if we can create environments that can bring people together with the technology and facilities and services all wrapped around them, then I honestly think, you know, yes, there was a few nervous months where I was I was a little bit uh, a bit worried last year, but I, I honestly think we have got a really exciting point um, in sort of the life cycle of workspace where we can take all the bad bits of workspace, all the presenteeism, all the all the bits that probably were less productive and actually take all the good bits and just absolutely supercharge them. So for me, you know, I'm dead excited about how we can create a, a future future office for our customers. How much are we talking about stuff that you almost had in train anyway? I mean, we've said within retail and within hospitality, we're basically saying the impact of this has been to speed up things that were probably happening anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Was, I, I would assume by the speed with which you've been doing this, that yeah. the stuff that you were talking about, you know, three, four years ago already. Yeah, I mean, it's been gradually, I mean, from my point of view, it's been gradually increasing uh, for the last few years. You know, there's, there are, John will, will agree, you know, there's been large sort of corporates who've been looking at more flexible working models for a number of years. You know, you've been seeing big solicitors and other professional services kind of work to a more, a more flexible model. I think we were on, we were on course for changes. I think the trajectory has just increased. It, you know, if anything, everything has just been sort of fast-tracked. Um, you know, luckily for, for Bruntwood, for Bruntwood Works, we, we were on with, you know, some pretty big interventions to start thinking about these things. You will have heard um, heard us talk about the Pioneer Scheme. You talked about our block scheme in, in Manchester City Centre. You know, each of these schemes had um, pillars that we were developing the space around, including hospitality, including biophilia and essentially bringing greenery and, you know, natural things into the space, creating that, you know, we talk about flights quality, bringing that quality into the space, as well as supporting with technology. So building sensors and, and anything to ease, um, 
sort of the 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 journey in and around the building and and how the building um, supports the customers within it. All these kind of themes they were there. They were they were there pre COVID. But what's happened is we've kind of actually just had to go right. Do you know what, Christ? We really do need to move move on with these very quickly. And and that's exactly what we've done. We've got you know two pioneers. Uh, PC'd now at Blackfriars uh, House in Manchester uh, City Centre and um, 111 Piccadilly just on the obviously just before you get to the train station and uh, and Block uh, should be uh, later this month PCing as well so that's three what we you know are terming our our edge strategy our evolved workspaces and and we've got more popping up in other cities there's another one coming out of the ground or being developed in in the plaza in Liverpool we've got plans for Birmingham and Leeds as well so these future offices are are on the go now and um, I think the one thing we do need to consider as well is also not a one-size-fits-all so what I am also hearing is there are there are still customers who need um, they maybe don't need all that evolved workspace I think I think you know what we should what we need to be careful of is um, of just saying, yeah, you know, all customers want this enhanced workspace, which inevitably does come with increased costs. Sometimes there are some customers that that maybe don't need all those services, so it's it's making sure that they've got the uh, the choice to sort of pick and choose what they need. And what the way that we do that is have a pioneer building with all your evolved workspace, and then cluster other buildings with maybe a slightly um, shorter product stack that can kind of pick and choose from the from the pioneer building so you've got kind of a bit of the hub and spoke going on in a micro neighborhood um you know as, as john referenced thank you john are, are you do you recognize uh, what andrew's saying here is, is that what you're seeing particular particularly i'm thinking when there's planning on new buildings that are starting to go you know being planned three four or five years in advance are we are we seeing major steps forward in terms of how offices are being planned and employees are being um Service to, I suppose, as much as anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I just echo everything that Angie's just said. Absolutely echo it. Um, because it's something that we've been saying for quite some time, um, you know, pre-pandemic. And, uh, you know, we are not seeing a new norm. I think the pandemic is simply, as Andrew said, accelerated existing trends that we were already seeing. Uh, and that's both in terms of demand, design and attitude. Um, so uh, it's it, it is a really uh, great opportunity to you know to, to design out some of the bad bits that we perhaps got into the habit of designing in in terms of buildings and and you know occupying you know more and more densely um, and now you know looking at occupying less densely um, there is much more uh, I mean a huge amount of emphasis. Um, from both large and small businesses around ESG and you know their social government governance and and you know net zero carbon um, and we are seeing investors and funds not investing at all in anything that does not have a thoroughly watertight kind of sustainable agenda, which is great um, and that that is only a good thing for the occupier and the you know and the businesses that will ultimately occupy new office buildings has that changed or just ramped up recently because it feels like with funds doing that obviously there's been shareholder revolts over that stuff over the last 12 months it feels like a real sea change in the in the last year or so i can I, yeah i mean I, that, that's a good way of describing it. it really has been a sea change um and i think that 
you know, per- perhaps it perhaps it is down to um, you know, some of these large large investment houses realizing that you know the world is the world is changing and attitudes are changing, you know, very you know very quickly. And actually, the new employee or the new or the new younger generation of office occupier in you know has has very very strong and forthright views around this and is quite you know very willing you know to to you know to come out and say those and actually i think it's quite the, the, i'm not sure quite how, how how it how it may link but but talking about younger employees etc and the whole kind of return to work kind of thing um you know, widely uh, publicised that Facebook have just signed some very, very big new leases over in New York, uh, which again says to me that you know the office, you know, is certainly not dead but just evolving. Um, but I think more interestingly, which has made news, is that Twitter they've offered their employees the possibility of working remotely forever, which I think we've probably all read. But um, having done work with Twitter, I can safely say that they do that in the confidence that they have a very, very attractive office base. Uh, And that is free food, that's gyms, that's leisure offers, that's social interaction. It's all the things that Andrew was just talking about um, that really attracts their younger workers and their workforce, you know, back into, you know, back into that, you know, that hub, that creative collaborative hub where people can socialise. They have got amenities on their doorstep um, and I think again you know whilst your large huge tech giants like Twitter will have that that building that's got everything stacked in it around them will be those other those other perhaps smaller businesses that certainly don't want to pay the premiums perhaps quite for you know for being in said net zero carbon absolutely everything that you could wish for building but certainly you know want you know want to be around it and be able to offer that you know in some way shape or form i remember the first time over in la in the early 80s and a friend took me around their office which had a cinema and a gym and pool tables and i was like this is amazing this is this is just and they went no it's just because the bosses want us to stay here 24 hours a day basically you know (laughs) which is yeah that's it it looks good from the outside and and it does work and we've been really really optimistic so far so uh, i mean sam what do you think it would be holding people back from coming back into work? What what are the fears, uh, both both I guess for the employers and for the employees? What what's the stuff that we particularly see? Sort of city centre managers have to have to sort of start to tackle. It's 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 the confidence thing. Is it comes back to the the, the, the safety and the security, the, the the rising levels of infection rates and hospitalizations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and going backwards because nobody can afford to do that. And um, you know, and we have a responsibility, certainly the business, the business owners, leaders, to to, to look after their teams. Um, so I think that is the biggest fear to make sure that you know. That, that, Whatever approach is adopted is 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 the safest one uh, and the right one for for everybody that uh, that works for that organisation. I think that's probably probably up there at the top. Yeah, I mean, I'm core to what you do as, as Pro Manchester is also obviously the the seminars and the events and and so on. I mean, where are you with with ramping those back up? Because obviously for the city centre economy, you know, Manchester Central at the top, but for all of us, business events and networking and all of that sort of stuff is so so important. So. I mean, how are you seeing that come back into being? 
It's um, it's again, it's 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 a it's a bit of a, a road, a, an uncertain road still at the moment, um, because we, you know, the, from from an appetite perspective, uh, when we when we surveyed the members to say, are you ready to get back to, you know, are you wanting to get back to live events? It was eighty nine percent were like, absolutely, get get us get us back there. We we want to do it. Um, but obviously at the moment, certain restrictions. The other the other important point, obviously, is that. If we've got certain measures in place, whether it be social distancing or still having to wear masks and certain things like that, it takes away the um, the environment that, that people actually attend an event for. If you're going to go and network, you don't really want to be stood two metres away from somebody and, and wearing a mask because from a networking perspective, uh, it's obviously not that conducive. And it does, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a totally different experience, isn't it? So um, we're, we're planning at the moment, we've got our first sort of uh, big hybrid event coming up which we're planning for the 2nd of July at the moment so um, it'll be hosted at Lowry Hotel um, and at the moment we're just just starting to take bookings etc so at the moment obviously we're still planning it as a socially distanced um, uh, capacity but obviously with the view to increasing that as and when we have a bit of a clearer idea with regards to you know what sort of happens with, with these milestone dates and, 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 and they're doing and obviously they're doing quite a lot of testing with events at the moment aren't they and I think it'll be interesting to see what what the outcome outcome of some of that will be with regards to how we can you know how we facilitate these events because even testing on on the day or temperature checking all of these things have an impact on people's experience and you know the less that we have to do the the absolute uh, the better really for everybody but at the same time the, the, the sooner we can get everybody back the the better because there's a real appetite for it so it's just again treading that quite delicate line of, uh, of what we're allowed to do, what's safe and secure, um, how comfortable people feel with it. And, uh, but at the same time, doing it as soon as possible because everybody's ready. <laughs> yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so much relies over the next six, eight months on actually those milestones continuing to, to fall and us being able to evolve. We'll see the, the test events that are over in Liverpool obviously won't have social distancing and we're hoping those, those all go well because that will allow that hopefully that events at central and other business events can go ahead without social distancing though they've got this huge sort of system for testing everybody on the way in haven't they so it's it's going to be interesting to see how that mix works but it's going to be very important for the city um sort of final question for each of you and i'll and i'll spin spin round um if we're going to be continuing to attract uh, tenants to the office sector you talked a lot about sort of physical changes within the office but um what do we need to do as a city obviously there's the confidence thing but what are the other what can we provide as a city center in terms of that offer that gets people back into manchester and gets people continuing um for particularly for john and andrew's jobs um new tenants wanting to come in and therefore new buildings to be put up and so on what is it that about that offer that continues to drag people back from from you know working from home i'll start with sam <laughs> no problem. Um, do you know? And I think you 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 are doing an incredible amount with with marketing Manchester at the moment about what is actually available in and around Manchester. And I think you know we have got so much available there. Um, there is a real personal appetite for people to to come back, and I think that will absolutely continue in that vein to. To, to promote what is available in Manchester, what's attractive, that, that whole spirit of Manchester and coming together. I think that if you continue with uh, promoting that to, to the, the highest degree that you can, I think, and making
making Manchester as attractive as possible uh, will really, you know, continue to bring people back in. I think the one interesting thing that um, COVID's maybe um, highlighted, and, I, and I'm not an authority on this, so uh, please don't expect too much from me, but with regards to looking at kind of inward investment in the work of Midas and bringing more, more, more attracting more businesses into Manchester, this is a real opportunity, isn't it? In the sense that, you know, businesses now can see that absolutely they don't necessarily need to have bases down in London. They don't necessarily need to have bases anywhere. If they can have a base, come to Manchester and, and, and bring that business here. So I think it's about that, that attractive proposition that Manchester can offer with regards to the culture, the hospitality, the leisure, everything that it's got, got on offer and going for it. John, what, what can Manchester do to, you know, steal potential tenants from... I know you're national, but from Birmingham and from Leeds or where, wherever else, what is it that we can do that we can provide uh, to potential tenants, potential landlords coming into the city? Yeah, it's a massive question, um, and and I again, I agree, I agree with what Sam said around, around uh, you know doing that promotional work and, and and really sort of getting the message out there that we've got such a thriving, diverse cosmopolitan community in Manchester, and I think if we want to retain the occupiers that we've got in the city centre and, and attract new ones. Um, you know, we, we've got to really demonstrate the fact that we've got, you know, great restaurants, great leisure facilities and entertainment offer that's second to none um, because it's, it's getting those, it's getting people back into the city to support those things that then makes the entire sort of community thrive. Um, and I think we don't want to lose sight of some of the local neighbourhoods that we have with, you know, actual authenticity and independent retailers and independent restaurants and, and you know, leisure, leisure operators, because we need to kind of maintain some of those areas and not lose their, you know, not lose their authenticity, if you like, if, you know, big chains move in. And maybe that's, that's looking at some local tax incentives or business rates incentives or something like that um that that would certainly help but i mean from an affordability perspective we we do offer a a a much more affordable yet still in my opinion world-class city um than say than say london where um if we go back to that idea of the hub and spoke and and having offices outside of London so that not everybody, you know, not, not all the eggs are in one basket, so to speak. You know, we, we, you know, we, we can certainly, um, I think, uh, promote things like our, our, our very, very good public transport. Um, I think actually we, we again need to get the message out there because I think one of the, one of the things that I do pick up on at the moment is that it's not so much the coming back into the office environment and the office spaces where I think workforces have, absolute faith in their employers and the buildings that they occupy in terms of how they are set up safely and all the rest of it. But I do think there is maybe a certain reticence to get on public transport at the moment. And I am certainly not having to go at Greater Manchester's public transport. I think we just need to, you know, get the message out there that it's 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 okay to travel on. And I, I've, I've been coming in on the train for the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, it is a pretty decent experience mainly because it's quite quiet at the moment if I'm honest. um you know but but certainly you know we we should get that out there and i think also look at um post-pandemic maybe the d- development of new you know new residential buildings albeit there's plenty going up at the moment but making sure that those are you know well-designed uh blocks and apartments and flats that perhaps have small study spaces in them and not just a 
shoebox that's an afterthought because actually if we are looking to seek or if we are seeking to attract younger workforce and a, and a, and a population that's going to need alternative spaces to work as well as the office, let's make sure that they can live somewhere where they can actually do that uh, as opposed to you know having to you know, sit out on the balcony on a freezing February afternoon or something like that, you know. So, uh, and I say balcony, you know, not everybody has even the luxury of that in these these apartments. So it's actually, you know, designing smartly around around that kind of thing. And Andrew, finally, what would you like to see the city do? Um, I guess for, for me, you know, sustainability uh, has, has gone we said earlier on that it's gone up the agenda for everyone. And I think a big part of that is fewer cars on the road. You know, people have been forced to, to use more active travel routes. And I think, I think the city did some great things with, you know, some of these temporary pop-up cycle lanes that were introduced throughout lockdown. Some of those have now closed down. It would be fantastic to see those more permanently looked at and also the facilities uh, at the you know the terminal of some of these routes you know around lockers around shower facilities yes we can put them in our buildings but it's actually working with the city to to have maybe some open access ones so i think promoting active travel and, and healthier means in and out of the city would, would would definitely help i think there's a real key point um around locality you know people talk about five ten twenty minute cities there are some really um interesting um unique character suburbs of our city center and also regional towns as well across greater manchester they've all got nuanced characters to them so i think it's really building on those knowing where in the city you know you're going to get your big brands and your your more national names where you're going to get your you know your independence and and smaller businesses and, and really focusing on the strengths of some of those um some of those suburbs and i think probably cutting through all of it and and we talk about this a lot and we obviously we work with um manchester international festival is is culture you know connecting people socially culturally giving them a purpose through art through music um through that shared experience you know there's there's for me personally, one of the, my big things I've been missing is is, is live music, and I'm sure there's there's others like that. You know, being together and having a shared experience of something. So anything, you know, as a city, we can do to bring people back safely to do that. I think we we should really really be focusing on because in between all the business stuff that we talk around, really we're all humans and we all want social connection, and that's kind of what it all comes back to. So anything we can do to keep keep um, keep people connected through through arts and culture, I think, is really important. I think I think if if things continue the way they are, you'll have more live music going into your ears come September than you you'll know what to do with, judging by the number of gigs that are booked in. Um, finally, finally, one sentence each, really. Um, looking forward, twelve or twenty four months. Uh, sort of what are your hopes for the for the city where do you want offices to be where do you want buildings to be where do you want the city center to be that's a lot to put in one sentence but um andrew <laughs> um i just don't want uh i'm going to speak from a from a a landlord developer point of view i don't want others uh to to waste this opportunity that we've got a point in time in a cycle where we can make some pretty significant changes, not to benefit our own business yet. You know, obviously our own PL is important, but actually to add value to our customers. Because ultimately our group purpose is creating thriving cities. If our customers thrive, so do we. So we need the buildings to do that. Excellent. Thank you. Sam? 
Yeah, and you, you stole my word, Andrew. I was going to say I wanted it to be thriving and, and better. I don't want to have been through everything that we have been through for the past 12 months uh, to revert back to type and go back to where we were. So the flexible working offers, um, you know, the, the vibrant cities, I want all of those things to come back, but I want it to come back better than it ever was before, definitely. And John? How can I follow that? How can I follow that? Um, I'd, I'd just like to see... In 12 months' time, the the bold, brave Manchester that we know and love, um, but better, with uh, more emphasis around amenity, more emphasis around ESG and net zero carbon, um, more facilities for uh, get, uh, getting in and out of the city uh, other than just by car um and um and i think i i think yeah that that's it for me thank you now i have a bet with joshy herman of the very lovely manchester mill which everybody should subscribe to because it's a wonderful uh, daily newsletter stroke paper that in two years time there will be more office workers in the city center than there were before the pandemic, effectively. 100 quid to a charity of his choice, if I win that. Am I being foolish, or what do you three think? Do you think I'm going to win my bet? I, I, think, I think there will be more workers in the city centre. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think that uh, Manchester will continue to thrive. I think we will see uh, post-pandemic uh, more businesses want to locate into the large regional cities which goes again back to how important it is that our offer is better than anywhere else, both from a, a buildings and offices point of view, but also all the, all the cultural offerings that we have. And we know that we've got one of the best bases to build on for that. Um, and I, I genuinely see, um, whilst work has certainly changed and will change and there's more flexibility, you know, there's going to be more flexibility about how we work. Um, we actually, I think, have seen through the pandemic that we need offices, we need collaborative hubs, we need social interaction, we need, you know, we need that spontaneity and and, and that uh, connectivity with other people to actually create and be as productive as we can and also happy um, because it's, you know, it's about also just seeing our work colleagues, our friends, and then, you know, going to get something to eat or watch some, you know, live music or whatever it may be. So, um, you know, this, the city, I think, will thrive. That's deeply reassuring. <laughs> Does anybody think I'm going to lose my money here? <laughs> I always err on the on the the positive side of any situation. That's just the way that I, I am. I'm, I'm I'm built. But we talked before about what attracts talent into an organisation, and it's not necessarily at the moment. And it's not necessarily salaries anymore. Actually, it's the ethics that sit behind that business. It's the culture. It's the values. It's all of those sorts of things. And I think Manchester is absolutely primely placed to be able to provide exactly what people want. And so, in 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 that sense, that people will want to come and work here in Manchester. So, absolutely, why not, Vaughan? I'm with you all the way thank you thank you all very much indeed and i'll speak to you all soon thank you